Everybody joining me on the podcast today is David Waters, Gators Breakdown host, a longtime friend of all my shows I've done. Who knows all these different podcast <laughs> names I've done. But uh, David, it's always great to have you on Talk Florida Football. How's it going? Uh, going pretty well. And, uh, of course, talking about Florida football and uh, Florida finally named that quarterback uh, position. But uh, Gator fans are uh, you know really excited for the Dan Mullen era to, to get underway this Saturday versus Charleston Southern. It's a far cry from a year ago when Florida was going against Michigan. Uh, now you're going against an overmatched opponent, but the excitement is still there because it's Dan Mullen's first game. Yeah, and you know, the Felipe Frank thing, just this week they named him starting quarterback, and I watched a little bit of Dan Mullen's press conference when he was asked about it, and he talked about it. You know, just, you know, he of all the quarterbacks, you know, he's, he made a point to say all of them need room to grow. Just Felipe Franks right now gives him a better chance to win. Uh, other quarterbacks there, you know, let's see, Emory Jones, do you think you see him at any point this year or Felipe Frank straight through? What you're expecting to see out of Franks and his quarterbacks all year? You know, uh, as far as the starting quarterback position goes, I think it's Frank's job to lose. Uh, you know, I don't think Dan Mullen's going to have the quick leash uh, to, to, to yank him out of games. You know, he's got a, a stretch of three straight home games to kick off the season. I think that's very important for Felipe Franks, who played, uh, you know, look, last year, wasn't great overall, but he did play better at home than he did on the road. Really, really struggled on the road. So it's good that he can get his feet under him uh, and, and with these three straight home games against opponents that they should beat in Charleston, Southern Kentucky, and Colorado State. Uh, you know, and, and Mullen did mention that uh, right now he gives the Gators the best chance to win because of his athleticism, because of his ability to extend the plays. Uh, some players have spoken to his leadership and you know how he handled last year and able to bounce back and not get too discouraged of, of getting yanked out of games and things not going well and the coaching staff getting fired. You know, Felipe Franks, you know, stood tall and, uh, and that's why he's going to be the starting quarterback uh, this week. But as far as, you know, just quarterback play in general goes, I still think we see Emory Jones, the true freshman here, in some packages, you know, you know go back and think of, you know, Chris Leak and Tim Tebow. Uh, you have a brought in Tebow and used his legs to convert some short yardage plays. I still think they'll use Emory Jones in that capacity uh, a few um, you know, a few plays here and there early on just to kind of see uh, how he reacts. And, you know, this new four-game redshirt rule for, for freshmen, it's going to be interest, interesting to see how coaches go about this. You know, I think mm-hmm. coaches are going, to, are going to have to learn themselves over how they're going to go about this four-game redshirt rule. So do you give him all four games at the beginning of the year? Do you give him two games and see how he reacts to that and maybe save – the next, the next two for later on in the year. If you make a bowl game, he gets extra practice, can play in the bowl game. Uh, and, you know, it, it all, of course, is how big of an asset they see him as. So if he's going to be like that Tim Tebow type and, and can convert big plays in third and short and fourth and short and help Felipe Franks in the running part of the offense, then I think we'll see him a good bit. Yeah, you know, you break up that Richard freshman rule. I, I really like this rule. And, you know, another thing just from – a ticket sales value here you know just <laughs> at least florida for an example say you just want to use that you know new rule with emory jones idaho game for florida state you know mm-hmm. the sec is bad i'm critical of sec with how they schedule the week before rivalry games but with that said you say hey we're going to play emory jones you want to see him you know we're going to play him here i think they also could help out with ticket sales with this new rule too Oh, I think so too. I mean, just think about the yeah. yeah I mean, you're right. They they do. Uh, SEC teams have have the uh, uh, you know habit of, of scheduling those cupcakes week before. But you know, just imagine this year if 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 Florida starting 
uh, Emory Jones that week and Georgia starting Justin Fields for whatever reason, you know, just, mm-hmm. just to see how he reacts. And, you know, you've got two uh, true freshmen there in the SEC who may be the future of the SEC East uh, making, yes, making starts. So, yeah, it, it is going to be interesting all across the board um, uh, of how they of how they use this rule. You know, I, I like it a lot as well. Uh, these guys get to play. You get to see. They get to get their feet wet. They're not, you know, so green behind the ears the next year. Uh, even if they are red shirts, you know, they'll have four games of experience to to to, to play. And, and Dan Mullen has said too, you know, it helps in special teams. It helps build depth. And it's and it's a really good thing overall for college football. It may keep some of these guys from transferring out. You know, they, now they get to play four games. Uh, they don't get to sit on the bench and uh, all that stuff. I think it's going to be really beneficial for for student athletes and college football. And correct me if I'm wrong, Felipe Franks was redshirted, so he would have been yep. this if this rule would have been around when he was his redshirt freshman year, I think that would have been key in his development. He would have been a lot better last year too. Oh, I, I, there was a lot of talk in his freshman year of, of all, even then of burning his red shirt, you know, letting him go through the bowl game practices because you, you, you knew Treon Harris wasn't going to be the, the future of the Florida Gator offense. Uh, and, and, you know, this is after after the Will Greer incident and all that. You know, it was time to maybe see uh, Will Greer had went on in year one. Treon Harris played in year two. Uh, he just wasn't going to be the future in the Jim McElwain. So there was talk of maybe playing Felipe Face to get those bowl game practices and, and play in that bowl game. If you would have had four games to play with, then no question in my mind would he have played uh, more and not been redshirted. You know, and I look at the talent on the Florida offense, you know, really at the receiver position, I think they're set. They have good players there. Van Jefferson coming over from Ole Miss. You got Tyree Cleveland. And then the return of Jordan Scarlett at running back. So I believe Florida gets this, you know, even just average quarterback play out of Felipe Franks or whoever is behind center throughout the whole season. This team is capable of winning eight or nine games just because of the, the cast around the quarterback. Oh, yeah. You said the magic word. And and, and, it's, and, and I hate to sound this way and, and so down about it, but average. I mean, if Florida, and we've said this about the Florida quarterback position for years now. Average quarterback play can make Florida a pretty dangerous team, and especially going back to those great defenses that Will Muschamp had, or uh, you know the, the two defenses Jim McLean had in his first two years where they won the East. Average quarterback play, you know, made would have made Florida an even bigger national threat. And I agree, you got uh, Van Jefferson to transfer from Ole Miss. Uh, Trayvon Grimes, a transfer from Ohio State, who was a five-star recruit at one time. He transferred in to be closer to his family, uh, who was having some health issues. Tyree Cleveland, who's shown uh, ability to, to catch the deep ball. And, you know, you all remember the bomb versus Tennessee last year in his freshman year, uh, shaking an LSU defender off and, 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 ma- and making the difference in that game and winning the game on the road there. So, yeah, and, and they're so stacked at running back. It's Jordan Scarlett and Michael Piran, who both have a lot of experience, truth, uh, uh, True sophomore Malik Davis, who really burst into the scene last year. Uh, you know that uh, he played against Tennessee and should have put that game away, but fumbled at the goal line. That game wouldn't even been close if Malik Davis scores on like a seventy-yard run there. He put the Vanderbilt game away um, with, with a fourth-quarter thirty-five-yard touchdown run. He's the big play guy that they have at running back, and they also bring in you know highly touted true freshman Damian Pierce and Iverson Clement. Uh, Darius Lemons from last year, the sophomore. So Florida is deep at the skill possession, skill position places. They just really need some quarterback play to help get those balls uh, out to those receivers. They're going to lean heavily on this running game. This is and look, this Dan Mullen's offense to begin with. It is built off the run game. They're going to go deep into the to running back rotation. Uh, but you know, it, you still the quarterback is still going to have to prove at some point in time 
look, there's a third and seven. It's crunch time. You got to go make a play. Hey, that's why they brought him in. I mean, Dan Mullen has been labeled as the quarterback whisperer. I think people do forget, talking about Felipe Franks, more of a pocket passer, traditional passer, which he has shown in the past that he can take off with it run. I mean, he Dan Mullen had pocket passers before. Uh, Tyler Russell there at Mississippi mm-hmm. State before Dak Prescott's quarterback. So he has shown the ability to work with all different kind of quarterbacks. I mean, really, Chris Leak, when he was there at Florida, he was yeah. a pocket passer. I mean, Chris Leak had mobility, but I think he used his mobility more to look to pass than to run, than he had Tim Tebow. So he has, you know, proven different style quarterbacks he can use his, using his offense. Yeah, you know, it, it just he gets the pieces and he makes something out of them. You know, it's not it's not a particular offense and square peg round hole. It's he takes the pieces and he makes something out of them, and that's what Gator fans are excited to see. And you know, there's still some question if Felipe Franks is going to be the guy. You know, it was an intense quarterback battle between Franks and Kyle Trask, and there were a lot of the fan base that really wanted to see what Kyle Trask had. But you know, no experience in high school. Uh, he's shown a, he's shown some flashes in spring games and, and open practices and scrimmages like. Like that, uh, but uh, it's Dan Mullen with Felipe Franks, and I think we have to trust the decision there. Yeah, you know, when you look at up front, because, you know, that's where it all starts with. I mean, it doesn't matter how good quarterback is, your running backs, receivers, if the offensive line does not pass block, run block, you know, it's, it's all mute point. Uh, just, you know, the last couple of years, it seemed like, you know, the offensive line, I remember when Jim McElwain first got there, that was a question with the team. Mm-hmm. Uh, just what's your take on the offensive line going into the season? Uh, they'll be able to run block, I think, straight off the bat. Uh, Dan Mullen, John Hevesy, the offensive line coach, you know, that's what they're known for. And, you know, and as far as running the ball goes, you know, last year, Florida did okay with that. You know, Michael Piran and, and, and Malik Davis were able to spring some runs because of this offensive line. Uh, but look, you know, going, you know, if you start at left tackle with Martez Ivy, a five star coming in, I don't think he's really lived up to that five star billing. Uh, I think he'd be a better guard than tackle, but Florida doesn't really have a lot of options uh, out at left tackle there. He started his career at guard. Uh, now in the left tackle the last few years, he just hasn't really lived up to that big billing. So this is his last chance here uh, to go there. Uh, what really hurt this offensive line going into fall camp was Brett Hagee, who played left guard last year and, and really showed – uh, he's probably one of the best offensive linemen Florida has. The plan was probably really to bring him in and go play center, uh, but he he got hurt last year, wasn't able to take part in spring practice, um, was ready for fall ball, and then ended up getting turf toe. He really just came back last week, so he's behind in, in, in playing in this offense, uh, learning the offense on the field and what it takes there. So right now he's listed, listed, listed as a backup left guard, but that won't last long as long as he stays healthy. Uh, but you got Tyler Jordan, who's got plenty of experience there at left guard. The big battle right now is at center between Nick Buchanan and, and T.J. McCoy. Nick Buchanan looked to have the job kind of wrapped up until recently he started having some snap issues uh, that were there. And, you know, of course, that leads to turnovers. And T.J. McCoy, who's played center the last two years, uh, played good, pretty good two years ago. Uh, kind of disappointed last year, couldn't build on that good year. So uh, the battle will, for center will go into this game, this week's game against Charleston Southern. And then on the right side, I think, you know, right guard Fred Johnson returns from last year and also Juwan Taylor at right tackle, who may be the best lineman uh, Florida has right now as it's going since Brett Hagee's kind of fighting back from that injury. Yeah, you know, and you flip over on the other side of the ball, on the defense side of the ball, I mean, I think they have some good – pieces there i mean i th- florida took a little bit of step back last year from what they were from years mm-hmm. before but when you lose talent like they had i mean that's expected to happen i mean not everybody can be alabama and just plug and replace but you got cc jefferson up front and you got preseason all sec cornerbacks and cj henderson and wilson there 
with his defense, I mean, how good do you think they can be? Can they get back to that level they were in those first two seasons under Jim McElwain? Yeah, you know, two things happened, uh, like, as you mentioned. They, they, they lost some players. They, they, you know, last two years, you've lost Hargrave. You've lost Tabor. You've lost uh, Quincy Wilson, Keanu Neal, uh, Brian Poole. You know, all those guys are making plays in the NFL right now. So that's the type of talent that Florida lost there. Uh, but, you know, lost talent, and they lost defensive coordinator Jeff Collins. And Randy Shannon came in and was a, a less aggressive style uh, you know, they, they lost some depth because of the credit card scandal a year ago as well. You know, and I, I do think Randy Shannon was kind of handcuffed a little bit because of all the talent lost and depth issues. But it was still, you know, watching it, it was still too soft of a defense, not enough aggressive, uh, aggressiveness, not enough using that Florida speed. And some guys were playing out of position. You know, Chauncey Gardner, um, once once um, Marcel Harris went down with injury, he got pushed to safety, and you know, not really the the fit for him because they had to use him more in the box than they really wanted to. And you know he he's not that go put his head in and have and go tackle uh, type of um, you know safety. But now they got got him playing the star position, you know, kind of the nickel position, and he's going to be everywhere on this defense. He's going to be from that nickel position. He's going to be in the backfield. He's going to they're going to bring him off the edge in that nickel position to go get the quarterback, go sniff out some screens. Good, put him in coverage and, and go get an interception. They're, they're going to move him all over the field uh, in this star position. I'm ready for it because, you know, Chauncey Gardner might be one of the best athletes on the team here. Uh, but you did mention C.C. Jefferson, another uh, – Phil, here's, here's weird things. We've mentioned Martez Ivan, we mentioned C.C. Jefferson. Those are the only two five-stars on the Florida roster right now. And, uh, you know, some, some things have got to change. You know, recruiting mm-hmm. is a, a different story. But, you know, C.C. Jefferson is another five-star. And to me, hasn't really necessarily lived up to the billing of a five-star yet either. And when the depth chart got released this week, he was listed as a, as a backup. And now I will say with a disclaimer there, he's fighting a shoulder injury that he got in the spring game. Uh, and he's been no contact all fall camp. And I really wouldn't expect to see him much for this first game anyway uh, because of that injury. But Jacob Light at this buck rush in position, is really a big-time athlete uh, and a lot of potential that Gator fans have been waiting to see, and mostly because of this new defense Todd Grantham's bringing in with this Hey, look, the, the 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 improvement he made last year at Mississippi State's defense when, you know, he improved that defense from 100 positions overall. I think they went from 110th to 10th in overall defense. And Gator fans are really hoping to see that type of improvement here uh, at Florida. And that starts with Ja'Kai Polite in that bug rush in position and Jabari Zuniga and, and really the emergence of – the two inside guys, Elijah Collins to, to Daryl Slayton, two highly rated recruits who really look to be filling in for when Tabin Bryan got picked by the Jaguars uh, in, in the first round last year. You know, it may take those two guys to to, to make up some of that production. Tabin Bryan, uh, you know, is leaving uh, for, for, for that defensive line. But you know, you go to cornerbacks as you mentioned. You got the the, the C.J. Henderson and Marco Wilson too top flight cornerbacks and, and, and look to continue that tradition of dbu at florida oh most definitely, most definitely. I mean, it's like florida every year it's like okay we, we lose a top notch you know all sec defensive back cornerback we'll just <laughs> we just plug and replace here and uh that is a nice little thing you know what's your thoughts on the whole i guess back and forth sometimes when you know your florida fans and your lsu fans on who really is uh dbu <laughs> There's probably not a wrong answer here. You probably could throw in Ohio State there too. Florida State's also had some good DBs, you know, but it's a good, you know, a lot of the Florida LSU um, argument 
for that has been just because, look, that's been a nasty rivalry for these, these last few mm-hmm. years. Going back to, to, to the Hurricane game being moved and Florida having to go to Baton Rouge and winning that game and then Florida scheduling LSU last year for homecoming and, and LSU ended up on top in that game. And just a lot of uh, venomous uh, happening between uh, LSU and, and, and Florida and that the rivalry has really picked up some steam. So I think it really – I think that's one reason the DBU moniker between those two teams gets so much hype is just because the, the nastiness on the field between the two teams. And I am sure once our mutual friend Brendan Eiserman hears this, I'm sure I will uh, hear from him about LSU being <laughs> DBU when it comes to that. I'm pretty sure, uh, and he's probably you know. So there's a shout out to you, Brendan. But uh, <laughs> uh, we look at the uh, Florida schedule, and I got it right here in front of me. You know, I, the nine wins, it, it can totally happen. And I look at the way the yeah. season opens. The first three at home, Charleston Southern, Kentucky, Colorado State. Then you go to Tennessee. You know, Tennessee's still breaking a new offense. Completely different what they've been running. So I think Florida mm-hmm. should come out there 4-0. Then you got the matchup at Mississippi State. And that really is a, a key game. And, you know, the whole Dan Mullen storyline, it's going to be mm-hmm. a lot of fun that week. And, you know, Florida could make an upset there, win that game. Things could really turn for the Gators this season. Yeah, I, mean, I think a four and zero start is a must for you know the Gators to have uh, the type of success they probably want. And I, I, three and zero definitely is a start. You can't you can't lose to Kentucky for the first time in you know thirty one thirty two tries. Uh, that that can't happen. So you know, Dan Mullen, the, the advantage there is at Mississippi State, Kentucky, where's their permanent crossover. Uh, division opponent, so he, he's got some familiarity with Kentucky. So that game being the second game of the season in the swamp, uh, you know he should get there and, and should win that game. Should go to Rocky Top and, and come out with a victory there as well. But you know, Felipe Franks on the road, really have to see him and see what he does there. Uh, but yeah, you mentioned it. the big game of the year just because of the Dan Mullen storyline is going to Starkville. You know, a week after you go to Knoxville, so you you have to get your team up to go play on the road two weeks in a row. Uh, but it's going to be an emotional game. It's going to be an emotional game for Mississippi State. It's going to be an emotional game for Dan Mullen. And, you know, more than likely, he'll make it an emotional game for his players. Um, and then you t- return home uh, to play LSU. I mentioned, you know, just mentioned that game and how, how big it is. And, hey, look, I think that Tennessee, Mississippi State, LSU, that, that's the key stretch of this, of this season for me. You come out of that 2-1, and one, you're feeling pretty good about yourself with Vanderbilt, and then you got to go to the cocktail party and play Georgia. You, you, go, you come to Jacksonville with only one loss. Uh, and play Georgia if you go two and one in that key stretch I just mentioned, and then you, you're you're still playing for everything. You, you somehow you know, upset a Georgia team who's you know really good and going to be picked to win the SEC East as as they should. Uh, but we know weird things happen here in Jacksonville. So you know that that game you you come out two and one out of that key stretch, and you still have everything to play for here in Jacksonville. But you, then you follow that up with two SEC East teams in Missouri and South Carolina. And, you know, Florida's schedule is kind of broken up into the, that segment there. you got that three-game stretch of Tennessee, Mississippi State, LSU, and then Georgia, Missouri, South Carolina. And those two three-game stretches there are really making break the season. But Florida has to finally end the streak at the end of the season and beat FSU. You know, and I've heard some – some shows you know that you know talk about florida state a little bit and they i think some people even florida state fans are if they know dan mullen that if dan mullen when he does beat florida state he is going to let them know about it all year long because we all remember sec fans know how much he'd like to remind Ole miss fans whenever mississippi state beat them so that's got to be a fear florida state back of their mind that for 
a whole year, every day, every chance Dan Mullen will get, he will remind Florida State that he beat them. Yeah, and it's a big game on and off the field. First of all, Florida hasn't beat FSU since 2012, so it, you know it's time to reverse that trend. Uh, but Bill Sykes, who I have on my podcast on Gators Breakdown every now and then, came up with this stat. And ever since Urban Meyer took over at Florida in 2005, the winner of that game ends up having a higher-ranked recruiting class. So, you know, it, it, it's on the field, it's off the field, it's in the state of Florida, it, it plays into recruiting, it plays into uh, just, you know, the moxie of uh, of being able to, to say you beat that team uh, from Tallahassee. And uh, so, you know, this is, look, and it's two first-year head coaches. you got Dan Mullen versus Willie Taggart. They're always going to be linked by coming in at the same year and know what better way and what better time to, to do it in, in Dan Mullen's first try. Most definitely. And, uh, you know, finally, David, uh, just when you look at Florida, what will be a successful season for the Florida Gators, your mind, in year one under Dan Mullen? If we go on purely by record, Philip, I'll, I'll say eight and four. You know, that gets you, uh, that gets you some, that gets you some good wins if you go eight and four. You know, that, uh, as I mentioned, you got that three game stretch of Tennessee, Mississippi State, and LSU, and Georgia, Mississippi, uh, Georgia, Missouri. South Carolina, that's six games, and then FSU, that's seven. So, you know, if you go eight and four, you know, you really – I mean, you got some good wins in there in, mm-hmm. with those teams I just mentioned there. You, you, you're either beating Tennessee and LSU. You're either beating uh, maybe an upset in Georgia. Uh, and if you can do it where you can beat Tennessee, Georgia, and FSU, beat your rivals, that's definitely a successful season. Beat two of the three, that's still a successful season. Uh, but, you know, going further than record, by the time Florida plays Florida State and the, and the season's over with, if Florida has promised that quarterback, it's a successful season. Most definitely, you know, I mentioned it, you know, earlier, you know, Dan Mullen, that's why he was brought to Florida <laughs> to fix the quarterback position. It's been a while since they've really been an elite at that position. So, hey, that's why you're here, Dan Mullen, trying to earn that contract that the Gators gave you to yep. uh, fix that quarterback position. Uh, but Absolutely. anyways. Anyways, Dave, it's a lot of fun always, fun talking Florida Gators football with you. And uh, don't mind, uh, can you let the listeners know uh, where they can find you and your podcast, Gators Breakdown? Yep, they can find me on Twitter at GatorDave underscore SEC. Uh, find the podcast Gators Breakdown at news4jacks.com slash Gators Breakdown. You can uh, get some uh, Florida Gator-related articles from news4jacks.com. Uh, they're uh, related to uh, Gators Breakdown. And also uh, catch the podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, and YouTube for the uh, video version. Always catch us live uh, when I share the links when we record uh, that I'll share on Twitter. All right, sounds good. And uh, once again, David, thanks for uh, being on the Football Report and look forward to talking to you again during the season. All right, Philip, thanks so much.